Bitso was a real treat for me because it was an opportunity to get to know some of the leaders that have been committing their time, their energy, and their spirit to building the Circle Up program. I did my men's weekend back in 2018, and interestingly enough, the gentleman on this show was on the same bus to New York. He was on my weekend in May 2018, and it was fun to get to know each other more. It was fun to hear about why he cares about the men in his community, the benefits that he's received by being in men's circles, by doing this work, transforming a marriage that was falling apart into something that's thriving today that he loves being in and that he's contributing all of his heart to. And so if you are interested in masculinity, um, we talk a lot about sales, we talk a lot about how you can find meaning and purpose by being in relationship with other men and giving a fuck and trying to work on how we can all grow together, how we can all improve together that I think you're going to get a lot of value out of this conversation. It's fast-paced. It's dynamic. I really enjoyed this conversation. And so I hope you sit back and learn something from my man, Manoj Grover. I think the, the best way to kick this off then is just to say this is the Circle of Podcasts. Manoj, Mr. Grover, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Mr. Andrews. How are you doing today? I am excellent. I actually, I opened up a bottle of wine the other day and hadn't finished it. And so I was sipping away here, getting ready for the episode. So hopefully, you know, it's not quite Joe Rogan style yet, but I'm sure we'll get to that one day. The other day. So how long ago? Actually, first, uh, like two, what day, type two of days wine ago. One? Two, weeks ago, two so days so, ago. It was so a J-Lor red. It was a Cabernet. Oh, no, Cab Sab. You know what, what I do is if I have a wine that's sitting out for too long, I just use it for cooking. Just get some flavor into whatever you can make it so you don't waste it. You sound like a nana, my Italian grandma. <laughs> also a cheap Indian who doesn't want to waste anything. <laughs> nice. We use everything. We use the, the calves of the cow, the thigh of the cow, the whole thing. Yeah. Good stuff, awesome. man. Hey, well, awesome. uh, I appreciate you being here. I think the best way to start this off would just be a check-in just to know where you're at, where I'm at. I've got a quick check-in for us. It's name, weekend, sponsor, where you're at from one to 10. Yeah. And then the check-in question is of the three dimensions – Curly, Clint, Gandhi, which one's your weakest? So I'll just, I'll kick us off. Uh, Andrew's uh, weekend was May 2018, which I think uh, we'll get into briefly. My sponsor is Sobol. I'm checking in at a 10. Happy here, man. And I think the weakest is Curly. Um, and just for everyone that's listening for some context, that just basically means sense of humor, not taking yourself too seriously. Um, and one of the reasons why it's my weakest is because I've always been very structured, A-type personality. I did gymnastics when I was a kid. But one of my closest friends now, my best friend, his curly is off the charts. He just has a fantastic sense of humor. So I've been able to, to gain a lot of that from spending time with him. And uh, so I'm working on it. All right. So name weekend sponsor, one to 10. So... Name is Grover. Weekend May 18. I did it with you. Hey, uh, sponsors Danani. Uh, sponsors Danani. I'm checking in a 10. Oh. And I would say my weakest of the three is my Clint. So Clint meaning being assertive, being strong, being aggressive. And not the fact that I'm not assertive or strong. It's that when I get angry, I'm not in control. So I don't have a Clint that is a, 
assertive, uh, with a backbone, and in control. It's reckless. So that would say that's why my uh, Clint is weak. Okay, got it. So it's developing a level of decisiveness and assertiveness that doesn't also come with um, potentially saying something you, you, you're going to re- regret saying. Yeah. Uh, the analogy I'll give you is, you know how sometimes somebody says something to you and you want to have a comeback? Sure. It, me to, for me, it takes time, meaning that I have to process it, understand it, and then I'll respond. And then you sort of feel like you've missed the moment and you get pissed off yourself. <laughs> so, so that's something I've been working on. But at the end of the day, that you get that with maturity and more experience. Sure. Yeah, I, I've been staying with my parents uh, and my sister lives there. And so, you know, just over the last few days, there's been a lot of opportunities where I've had a chance to, to make a comment here or there. And sometimes I'm just like, fuck it, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, happy, to, happy to have you on the show, man. I think Thank one you. of the best ways to, to get us started would just be, you know, how we know each other. We met on the bus yes. on our men's weekend, uh, May 2018. And then from there... You know, we've seen each other in and out of some of the different courses that our men's community has to offer, like the man you've always wanted to be training and men's weekend courses. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, we're on the phone talking about Circle Up and you were really one of the very first men that tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, this is a really cool idea. Um, You know, I I like the idea of, of, of working on this project, branding this way. And you ended up being one of the most important chess pieces in making this happen in our community we call it the second and the second really gets their hands dirty gets the job done holds men accountable you're definitely gonna have to use your clint if you're gonna be successful in that role so can you just tell me a little bit about you know what what sparked your interest in participating in this in the first place um if i may i'll take a little step back to explain who i am and what motivates me so please um for the last few years i've been working I've been trying to fit. So I was in banking for many, many years, uh, worked in, with Sun Life, which is a Canadian insurance company, as a life insurance and mutual fund rep. Then when I met my wife and I chose to move to Toronto, I pivoted into banking and started working for a local Canadian bank as a mortgage manager. And I constantly felt that I was only as good as my next transaction. And that's how I was compensated. But I didn't feel like I was, I felt like I was, like how you how you explained the tribal of, of Papua New Guinea, they as a civilization didn't grow or develop because they were only hunting to feed themselves for that particular day. So sure. I was on that feeling. I was always trying to keep my head above water, even though I was making very good coin. So I left that. I went back to do my MBA thinking I could reinvent myself and with a degree, then be a bit more sophisticated. And I was still struggling. Um, I, I wanted to enter the capital market space and no investment banker wanted to hire me in the sense I was 36 years old, green in the behind the ears, no experience in the industry, uh, no huge network. And then all of a sudden trying to enter in because that's what I really wanted to do. So the reason why I'm telling this story is I had to get into the startup space to find my path, to figure out because small companies who need people, who needed Uh, people with some working experience, with some background of something. You just throw enough people at a problem, hopefully you'll solve it. So going through that path to different startup jobs, hopping, one company works, one company falls apart. I got the understanding that I cannot depend on people 
to give me the opportunity. I have to go get it. I have to identify it and attack it. So currently I'm working in the capital market sector, which I always wanted to, but I work for startups and I am growing. I've built up finally after five years, my network, my relationships, and I am now managing sales for two different organizations as a sales consultant, but uh, leadership and building out their entire processes. So this is something that got my juices uh, flowing. And when you and I both joined our team, like after doing our men's weekend, we part of got part of this organization here in Canada uh, where we were part of men's teams to build relationships. I felt like the system was very archaic, mm. not in the sense that the teachings or the logic that we used to help other men like ourselves, it was that just the process to engage and grow was something from 1984. Yeah, so you as can there just was, go to the go to the website and find out for yourself. Exactly. If they do, we have a what? Did they have a website? <laughs> that was the first question. I didn't I even know they had I, a website. I think I recall. I recall using a website what? once upon a time. So when you think about that, that I pivoted to the startup space, and then and I started thinking, you know what? I'm now I'm 40. Um, I did my weekend two years ago like with you. I was 38. And most men who are your age, because I think you're much younger than I am. You're yeah, 25. 20s, 25. So we're 15 years apart. We'll get like, what the fuck is this? It's like, am I, am I going back in time? This, this organization doesn't speak to me. Even though the teaching, the logic, the, the, the core the concepts, the philosophy is trans like transcends everything we do because it applies to every male. However, the way it's communicated and the way it's delivered is really important because the world is changing. We're in a TikTok environment. You can't, if you can't get my attention in 15 seconds, you've lost it. So when you started talking about this, it really resonated with me is that this is maybe the initiative we need to change the way we function and the way we grow as an organization and actually use technology, use existing tools that allow us to communicate, allow us to track and basically measure what we're doing and therefore refine and repeat, mm -hmm. which is a fundamental what technology is. These are tools you use to make yourself more efficient, more effective and execute on whatever plan you have. That's it what makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense to me based off your, your startup background as well. I worked for a startup. It was really uh, more of a scale up because we had product market fit when I first started, but I worked there yeah. for four years and you working in startups, having this mentality of create process, improve process, and then repeat the process. That is exactly what makes sense for the environment that we're in, especially because we're starting a lot of this, uh, this branding, this market of this initiative from scratch. Yeah, I agreed hundred percent. And what I'll also add is that I think for me, the timing was right because I had these rumblings or frustrations in 2018 and 2019, but if this was started in 2018, 2019, I wasn't mentally or emotionally ready to participate in something like this, to have the opportunity to grow. And I needed to do the work, the things, the tools that were given to us when we went to the weekend and we had to practice over and over again in a safe environment of our teams with a, with the support of other men that have been through the pains that we have. 
I need to go through that. I need to find my footing. I need to find myself. And once that happened, I had the self-confidence in myself that I could, I could give something back. And so this program has also given me an opportunity to give back to a larger community than just myself. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's about the purpose at this point. It's about finding meaning, driving it from this. Fulfillment, personal fulfillment. And you can derive it in many different ways. And uh, this is one of the ways of, uh, and I first like to thank you for bringing the idea toward, to me because it's given me an opportunity to do something more than just for myself. Speaking of doing something, one of the quotes that you sent me and also resonated based off the bio that you gave right early on providing some context for us is that yeah. until you do something, uh, basically nothing will happen. Right. So the, it's a saying my actually funny enough, my dad used to say this, but he never said it to me. So my father died when I was 18. So he um, said it around you. No, he said it to other people and they told me. Jeez. So um, my father came to Canada from India in 68 and he was very in Montreal. That's where I grew up. As you can see my Habs jerseys in the back. Um, <laughs> Very influential in our community because the Indian community there was much smaller than in Toronto. And he helped. He, he was active in the community and assists a lot of people. And he also said to, he used to, say to people, it's only when you do something will anything happen. Cause, effect. You do something, there's going to be something, reaction, good or bad. But something will happen. And he never actually said it to me because I was really, really young most of the time. And whenever I started, when I started growing up and maturing and understanding the context of what was happening to his health and him like not having long to live, um, I spent more time with him, but we talked about everything. And so there was, and it was very emotionally charged. So these small little quotes, um, I never got to hear, hear them until after he passed and people who remembered him would speak about him, tell me stories. And that's where I learned more about my father. The more than a few people repeated that quote. And uh, so to go back to what I stated previously is only when you want to do something, any action you take that will derive results, doesn't matter what the result is, but you have to have action to get a reaction. Yeah. From, from what I've heard, and uh, please feel free to stop me if I'm breaching confidentiality. But from what I'm heard about your relationship with your dad, uh, he's very well, he was very well respected. Um, yes. In here, like, uh, I'll give you context. So uh, there was one of my dad's friends who was Dean of Engineering at a university, a, a, in Concordia University of Montreal wow. from our family community. So very well respected, PhD. And my father, at the age of 50, he was so sick that he was frail. He walked in into a, uh, like a, an event. It was a political event for the liberals. Uh, he was sitting down, and then people started, even though there was a speaker speaking, people started coming towards him and started talking to him. And uh, some guy asked, like, who's the guy? Yeah, well, he's the king. When he sits down, this court is around him. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what was like, and I'm like, what the, what, the, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And so... One th this, like, once again, I learned more about my father from others. And one thing somebody said to me is, look, we didn't always agree with him, but we respected him. And my hope, and my hope is that when I get to the age of 50, which is not too far off, it's only nine years from now, uh, and hopefully further, uh, that's the type of legacy I leave. That you may not have agreed with everything I did in life, 
but I was respected for what I did. That's all. I sure. Yeah. One of the most important things we work on inside of circle up is building strong masculine relationships. It's one of the, the foundations of our work. And one of the most important, clearly relationships that a man will have is that with his dad. I'm wondering for you with your father, is there anything that you can, when you, when you have the self-awareness of, you know, who I am as a man, is there anyone, anything that you can really point and say, you know, I, I'm this way because of my dad and I appreciate him for that. And, and, you know, he, he, you know, I want him to be proud that I'm, I'm working hard to, to keep his legacy going. So actually, let me give you one example. So my father in 1996, uh, so that's 24 years ago, had a congestive heart failure and was in the hospital in Montreal and they performed a triple bypass plus they inserted an artificial so he was diabetic right so his wow. arteries were not functioning his feet he was, they threatened to chop his limb, legs off from the knees Ouch. so he said look he says to me he said to everyone if I'm going to die I'm going to die standing yeah bit of, a, bit of an ego because I would rather <laughs> have him, I would rather have him in a wheelchair with me alive alive right and especially when I was 18 when he passed but what then happened was um, he had his operation. They inserted an artificial artery from going from his heart down his side. So you could see this grafted under the skin. There was like a hard tube full of blood into his pelvis area and to the legs. It was called, it was a cortex or synthetic artery so that he could have blood flow to his legs so they could last longer. And so this is after God, like three, four days, he's in the ICU uh, CCU, the cardiac care unit, and I get to walk in and visit. And he has an oxygen mask on and a phone and a notepad and paper in his hands. So at that time, my father started a business. We used to manufacture imitation perfumes in Montreal. We used to import oils from France, raw material from China, Canada, assemble it, package it, and export to US and South America. So my father had done a deal with a Brazilian importer who wanted to place a big order, but uh, now he was nervous that the guy he was going to do business with is on his deathbed. Sure. So basically we are, we are free healthcare in Canada. The hospitals are free, but we left that hospital with a $2,000 bill because my dad was doing long distance phone calls (laughs) from his CCU bed in 1996, in 1996 to Brazil and he convinced a man on the other line to wire him $250,000 US. Wow. So there's a concept we have, uh, which I find took me two years to figure out called commitment before ego. Mm-hmm. And where that applies to him was for him, regardless of the fact that he could be dead the next day, he had the responsibility to make sure his family was taken care of financially when he's no longer there. And that was the biggest impression that he ever left on me is that you have a responsibility. You have to fulfill it. Fuck everything else. And even though, even though that is, I think the one thing that really put a mark on me, I still had to grow into that because I was 18. Uh, there was a lot of other things happening when you're an 18 year old growing up. Yeah. And you're then without pretty selfish at that point. Exactly. Self- and so my ego is always engaged. I was constantly fighting with my mom, uh, fighting with others, trying to put my place and make my mark. And, um, but now that I am a father, now that I have a family, I respect and appreciate it more. 
and especially after going through the weekend, I now understand it better. Thanks for sharing. He's clearly strong, resilient, resourceful. Um, I could see a lot of those qualities in you. So appreciate having you uh, as a participant and helping us to grow circle up. It's definitely wouldn't be possible without you. Oh, and I nice. think, uh, you know, that's where I'd like to transition. I'll just talk a little bit about the program. Yeah, of course. Um, we're going to play a game and then we'll just finish off talking a little bit about what your journey was like getting to the weekend and what have been some of the biggest takeaways you've had from uh, participating in the men's weekend. But starting with Circle Up, I think the, the best place to start is what is your role? How are you involved in the programs? Okay, so for Circle Up as an organization, it, like we have our men's organization here in, in Ontario, Southern Ontario, excuse me. And... So Circle Up is a, let's say, an umbrella organization underneath the larger organization where we have our captain who runs it, with ARPA. And I am a second, so basically second in command, and I'm responsible for most of the logistics and uh, basically making sure that everything is in play and, and functioning. And if there are any issues, they're dealt with. So right now, in the beginning, it was a lot of like literally chaos every day. First, we had to figure out sheets, emails, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out what to do, how to do it, where, like, who's gonna do what? Low and charts, we, low charts, <laughs> uh, email. Okay, uh, figured. Okay, where do we list out the people again? How do we get in touch with people? How do we let people we're doing this? What are we gonna talk about? What? How are we gonna get with Zoom? Okay, do we have Zoom accounts? Mm -hmm. uh, what's the privacy situation? And then with COVID, it basically made Zoom, which we're speaking on now, much more of a standard. Yeah, than the only like, option really. It, pretty much. So figuring all that out and mapping it out and figuring out whose responsibility what, that was literally the month and a half. And we made many mistakes in between. Uh, may have alienated a few people, pissed off at other <laughs> people. But now there is a, a cadence we know what we need to do. We have an idea of what this format will be. We already have, I think, about 20 men that have gone through the program so far, and I think 12 have graduated uh, the, the program so far. Uh, no, we just, it's more of a management and, and basically taking it to the next level where uh, looking online to figure out what tools there would be available to even streamline it even more, uh, improve the communication, and basically... Uh, create a program that could be copied basically here's this here's the um what do you call uh instruction manual to anybody who wants to re create this program again yeah step by step is how you do it exactly yeah and, and i think that's really useful because on the call sunday night we had men in phoenix who are interested apparently there's men in cincinnati who are open-minded to starting circle up teams and so i guess the the question that a lot of people are, are probably asking themselves is what is circle up and so if you were to describe it to someone that's never heard of our programs before, how would you describe what Circle Up is? Circle Up is basically a space, a safe space for men who get to interact with other men that are, may not going through the exact same problems as you, but understand the pain. And as a result, uh, for those who are a bit more seasoned, experienced in doing this work, they get to learn some of the fundamental tools that have helped those men. So men who've benefited get to give back. And those men who have not had the uh, opportunity to go to their weekend get a bit of a taste 
of what is out there and what support is out there. And the number one, I think, concept behind it is you're not alone. I think that especially now with COVID or people stuck at home, loneliness has gone up, mental illness has gone up, people, uh, violence has gone up. There's a lot of negatives that have gone up. However, there are ways that we can support men. Um, then basically, hopefully, they become better sons, brothers, fathers, mm. neighbors. So that, I think that is the, uh, th- that what I would say I would explain how what Circle Up is. Perfect. I appreciate that. And I think back to growing up, playing sports, being part of communities, uh, doing Toastmasters, doing Landmark, being part of uh, Venture for Canada. And now, you know, in these men's circles, community has always been an important part of my life. And when you mentioned loneliness and COVID, I couldn't agree more that it really is giving a place for people that just come together and be social come together, shoot the shit, come together, talk about things that are important or things that aren't important. And, and uh, that's okay either way. But ultimately knowing that we have someone there that has your back, that really gives a shit, that cares. I think it makes a world of difference. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Um, an example I also give, and this is on, on my family. So my father-in-law worked for Chrysler uh, at the Chrysler plant in Brampton, Ontario. And he, it was hard work, he, but he loved it. Because why? Because he had a community there. He'd work 12 hours a day with peers, with other men that he had relationships with, that he spoke to, that he shared moments with, good times, bad times. And he had that community. Uh, When Chrysler was going through their financial, the financial failure in 2009 and 2008, um, things changed and he went to a depression because he was let go from his job and now he didn't know what to do with himself. Uh, now I had to spend home, you know, he has a wife and kids, my wife's his daughter. And you'd think that you'd be happy to be home and not working, but he felt, um, he felt alone, isolated, isolated. And he, unfortunately for him and being for his situation, because he's uh, in a community in, in the labor force that everybody spoke the same uh, maternal language, meaning Punjabi, as he did. Mm. So his English isn't as strong. So he had a hard time even communicating of what his concerns were. And because he didn't feel comfortable or safe. So these are the fundamental things that we provide through Circle Up is a safe environment for men to be able to um, be vulnerable and not be judged and therefore get to as they build up their self-confidence so they can be the men they always wanted to be. It started off really about mental health and it's transitioned out of that because all of the work that we do in building strong masculine relationships and what goes into that, like having integrity, having honor, being a man of your word, knowing you can trust other men, being trustworthy, all of it, will implicitly impact someone's mental health. And so we don't even need to focus on that. We need to just make sure that men are being in masculine relationships. Andrews, I remember in a previous conversation you and I had, uh, you stated that you were in sales as well. You were going to start up as well and you were in the sales side. Sure were. Uh, So the ultimate measurement of our performance is closing deals. The dollar value you bring in. However, the real work is what you do before it. Uh, the, The prospecting the identifying the cut, the evaluation of the client, uh, bringing him into the Asking pipeline, the right questions, doing yeah. a needs analysis. And then from, so there are each stages of this pipeline. 
And the better you do, do the job at each stage will yield that result of the sale at the end. You just don't know when, right? The only thing you can't control is when, but because you did your job properly, then you know that that individual is going to be the one you're going to close. And the same thing. You get comes to a tipping point at some point. Exactly. Crescendo. So we do the same thing. We do all the work with the fundamentals before. Mm. And the end hope is because once again, we're not mental health specialists. We're not licensed. So I don't ever want to say anything that could, um, could harm anyone or even get myself in trouble. But we do know is that if men are working on their fundamentals, they're able to build something. And the hope is that building whatever they build brings them to a better point in their life and which you can move forward with and grow from. A word I really like who a mutual friend of ours uses is um, the program is used to develop affluence in men to help them become more self-sufficient, more successful, more confident uh, and community in that element and holding each other accountable to what we want and what we said we were going to do is just a big part of that. So mm. I'm looking forward to the journey. If anyone that's listening to this is interested in participating in Circle Up or you have friends or men in your life who you think would be perfect for our programs, feel free to reach out to us on social uh, or through our website. We would look forward to connecting with you. I'm going to switch gears here and we're going to do a little bit of a game. Sure. Does it involve push ups? Uh, uh, I just it, had a workout it, today, I, so I'm a little I, sore. So. I thought about doing push ups, but I, you know, I figured I'd probably best if I kept your shirt, if we, you kept your shirt on for this oh, yeah. episode. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm past that shaking the shirt off, but it's <laughs> I, Let's I put, do this. I put, I put dad bods to shame. <laughs> okay, man. Uh, no push-ups. Since you already did the workout, I'll let you get away with this time. Um, the game's super simple. You're going to get okay. 60 seconds. Yep. And all you have to do is give me as many answers as you can to my questions as possible in 60 seconds. So the goal okay. is more answers, the better. Okay. Um, the less filtering, the better. And just try not to say anything that's going to get either, either one of us put in jail. Done. All right. Agreed. We're both going to jail, buddy. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. The last thing I will mention is that our current leader of all the individuals that have completed this game is Richmond. Oh, okay. Richmond is a 16 pointer. So you said 16 so answers, 16. Uh, well, there's a little bit of a spin. We're going to have an opportunity for you to double your answers at the end. Okay. okay if you choose to take on the challenge. Not a problem. Mr. Senor Grover, are you, uh, are you ready to go? Sure, definitely. Let's, okay. Let's rock and roll. Weed, alcohol, caffeine, or nicotine? Alcohol. Favorite day of the week? Monday. Are you more likely to ask for permission or forgiveness? Forgiveness. Mountain, beach, or forest? Mountain. Have you ever locked yourself out of your car? Numerous times. <laughs> Have you ever been punched in the face? Many times. That's Have you ever reason. punched someone in the face? <laughs> yes. That's the reason you're so ugly. We'll come back to that one. Uh, who's someone that inspires you? My dad. Favorite video game growing up? Contra. Contra. First female celebrity crush? Shit. Um, Monica Bellucci. Favorite city you've lived in? Montreal. And most impactful or favorite book? Um, 
the outside in. The outside in. You just snuck the outside in into your answers. So I will just tally these up quickly. That was pretty good. Good job, man. Thank you. Thank you. You've been punched in the face, eh? Oh, numerous times. Why do you think my nose is so big? (laughs) I grow a beard. That was pretty good. Yeah, you got 11. Well, that's not bad. So you got 11, which means Richmond had eight, but he doubled his. Okay. And you're going to have an opportunity to double yours. All you need to do is sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or um, uh, what's another good one? My little teapot. I'm a little teapot. Right. You can, yeah, go over whatever right, you're feeling, an equivalent right, song, something else if you want, what are, anything that's inspiring you right now. If you want to do it, you'll double it. We'll get you to 22. You'll be the number one lead on the podcast. All right, let's do this. <laughs> Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Woo! Bravo. I'm more of a baritone. That was a cappella, baby. Nice work, man. Okay, we'll give you 22 points there. Thank you, thank you. My kids are going to run down and say, Dad, what the hell are you doing? What is going on? It's been, uh, how old's your youngest? It's my youngest six. Six going on 30. Probably been a while since she's heard that one. No, I was like, she she still sings it. uh, So whenever we get in trouble on our men's team, we have to do my little teapot. She basically Mm. helps me do it. Nice. They get her engaged into it. So daddy's dancing, funny dance. Let me do it too. Yeah, a little duo. A little choreography added to it. Yeah, she's still better. <laughs> do you, do they do they already use TikTok and stuff like that? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, except my kids don't have a public profile, only a private sure. profile. So okay. basically, the basic the favorite they can uh, browse or. In the basically, I think you can. I don't use it, but you can actually record yourself and keep it in a private cloud rather than everybody else see it and invite okay. those who can see it. So cool. her favorite uh, meme is the. Uh, a savage, uh, savage love song by uh, Jason Derulo. The first like fifteen seconds of the beat. So it's uh like the this basically goes side dance, side dance, and everybody does the wave or something. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm no clue about the moves, but see, I'm aging. I feel like that old man that has no clue what's going on anymore. No, you're doing it, bro. You're doing it. You're in the game. <laughs> you're man. In the game. All right. Yo, cool. You're on the field. You're not even a water boy, bro. You're in it. <laughs> I'm just running the wrong way. Yeah. Well, it's, it's fine. As long as you're scoring points, dude, in either team doesn't matter. Oh, awesome. 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 <laughs> oh, that's jokes, man. Um, you know, I, I'm glad we're on the, the topic of your family because I know that one of the biggest reasons why men do their men's weekend, why they begin to participate in men's circles like this is because they want to be, like you said, better fathers. They want to be better husbands. They want to be better brothers. And I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about um, who was the man you were being before your weekend? You mentioned that was a challenging time in your life. And so if you are open-minded to talking about it, I think it'd be really valuable for a lot of the men listening to the show. I, well, thinking back before the weekend, I was well, the man, my wife married, she found, she thought it was a and I still think that fundamentally I'm a kind-hearted, caring person. Just before doing my weekend, I became a self-centered, angry, selfish person. Mm. Where 
I would make decisions not for the best well-being of my family, but mostly to uh, stoke my ego. And as a result, I made uh, financial and business decisions unilaterally because I can. Mm-hmm. I'm the man of the house. This is like so. Growing up in a immigrant environment where my father was the man of the house, um, that's what I thought. Like you make unilateral decisions, and that's it. That's all because I never saw the personal conversations that my parents used to have behind closed doors. I only saw okay. my dad making these decisions, and mm-hmm. he's the man. He, he takes yeah. care of the family, and I always wanted to be a caretaker. But I did not understand uh, what entailed to be a man in the sense that it's not about me. If it was about me, I'd be single. I'd be mm-hmm. single, day around, having fun and doing whatever I wanted for myself. But as a father, as a husband, I did not, even though I was married, like God, it was 2018, we did, I was married almost eight years, nine years. Uh, my relationship was difficult with my wife. Uh, numerous times uh, sleeping in on people's uh, in my car or sleeping in other people on other people's sofas and and in 2018 specifically I got let go within that year for the third time from a job I started my own business and got myself into almost 60 grand in debt because I my ego wouldn't allow me to admit that I was failing at what I was Mm. doing just pouring and, it on and just basically trying to solve a problem. It's like gambling. You try to win back the money you lost before sure. and you basically lose even more and taking risks because every time I wanted to hit a home run, cause that's all I could think. I, I said, I've lost so much. My confidence is down in the shitters. I don't know what to do. I'm, I don't want to ask anybody for their help because what will people think of me? Mm-hmm. So basically it was just about trying to pad and defend that ego and save the ego and to the point where my wife uh, asked for a divorce. So we, we weren't actually divorced, we're still in the same house. And then uh, Danani, the man who sponsored me, uh, was also my real estate agent. So, and my wife uh, knew him for over 20 years. Like her uh, best friend's ex was his best friend. So they okay. knew each other. So they had some, some existing relationship. Some relationship. Yeah, exactly. So the I don't think she intended to, but she was so frustrated that she broke in front of him on the phone. And I was looking for something. I I was in a space where I was repeat doing the same things over and over again and hoping for a different result. So which is the definition of insanity. I was going insane yeah. and constantly fucking up over and over again and not understanding why. And nobody had answers for me. Nobody was being honest with me. And I was too emotional about the fact that she listened to anyone. So when Danani then just called me and just started talking, I was a bit apprehensive first, but then because mm. I, I was looking for something and he mentioned that, you know, he went through these similar struggles and he did his weekend a few years earlier. And, um, and that I think this is something that uh, could benefit me. Uh, so this happened in the end of April and about a week later, I was on uh, on the bus to New York. Just like that. Just like that. Because I, I knew uh, one thing I did identify is I need a change. I need something. And if I, rather than sitting on my ass and crying about my luck or what's happening, only when you do anything, will something happen? So I got an opportunity to do something and I took it. Amazing. Yeah. You'd have to be really stubborn or um, really in the basement in your life to have all of this 
all of these bricks that you've laid start tumbling down beside you and not, not want to do anything about it. Right. Especially when you're, you know, you're handed a solution and then you say, fuck that. It's easy not to do anything. Right. You know, the whole, like we use a term called lazy loiter. It's like mm. you're watching TV for an hour, then it becomes two hours and three hours, you eat potato chips. And it's like, Oh, I got to make myself dinner. Okay, I'm just gonna eat more potato chips and you just get the, cause just, it's comfortable. And path of least resistance. Exactly. Like water pours down the, the most, like the most easiest path downwards. So if you have to work, it's hard. It's like getting up off the, uh, off the sofa and going to the gym when you're so used to being lazy and not moving, mm-hmm. it is hard. But then once you start moving, it gets easier. You just get into a routine. It just becomes a habit. And uh, yeah, it's I'm like s- the behaviors that got you here are not the behaviors that are going to get you where to where you want to go. Exactly. You have to change. And so the uh, going through the weekend, even then right away, didn't hit me right away, uh, meaning that I didn't grasp all of it. It took time. It you got to process that stuff. Yeah. And practice and practice and practice. Because it, if anybody thinks that, you're going to solve your problems with a snap of your fingers. You're wrong. If you worked hard to fuck yourself up, you got to work even harder. To <laughs> yeah. You have to even work harder to get yourself out of it. You know what I mean? Sure, man. Some of those guys are digging holes all day long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you use that analogy, digging a hole, it's hard work digging a hole, digging your grave. It's hard work. Six feet. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I've heard that before. It's like, it takes just about as much work to, to suck and fail than it does to be successful. Yeah. The longest time I was ashamed of failing. Um, and I would basically hide it, would embellish things a bit, you know, add a little like uh, lipstick to what I was doing so that I, I wouldn't want people to know that I failed on things. And because I lacked self-confidence, I was, mm-hmm. I thought that that's how I'd be perceived given the fact that my father left a wonderful legacy and that I was not nowhere anywhere close um, hey, at the end, I can't control what my legacy will be because when I'm dead, I won't be there to ask. Nobody's going to tell sure. me. So the idea is, okay, do the best I'm while I'm alive. And so now I've realized that I'm not defined for my failures. The only way I'm defined for my failures is if I don't do anything about it, or if I don't learn from it. So I'm proud to say I've failed. If There's a concept called failing fast. You fail, mm-hmm. fail quickly, learn from it, move on. Yep. Fail fast, fail forward. Exactly. That's good, man. And I, I, and I like to, I'd like to just highlight a couple of the things you mentioned here. And probably the most important to me is you said you needed to change. And so you, you took the leap of faith. You did your weekend. Uh, you participated in men's circles since then. Can you pinpoint maybe a behavior or two that you did change that made a, a, a dramatic difference in your relationship? Um, because, you know, now, you know, you've got you know, your kids and your wife, and you just came back from Montreal this weekend. And I heard the hustle and bustle in the car. Everyone was excited. Everyone was happy. And I'm just wondering, you know, what was it that you got from the weekend that you started implementing in your life? What was that behavior change? Can you give me an example of one or two? One, it would be, one would be stop being emotional about things. Reason being is in a male, in a, in a male, female relationship, my job as a husband is to be the solid support and rock for my wife, the emotional support. And if 
the person who needs me to be her, like her cane, her strong cane is wobbly and emotional and unstable. Basically that basically will collapse the relationship. It's a a noodle. (laughs) So the number one thing, like I still get angry. I still get upset, but I don't lose my shit anymore. I'm much more patient. I'm much more calm. And whatever happens, I listen a bit more and try to process it. Like like I said uh, to you earlier, I think before we started the call, one of the biggest things that used to piss me off was I, uh, when somebody say something to me, I wanted to have a one-liner to get back at them, and it took me a time <laughs> to actually think about it, and then you lose the moment. But there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to have the best last last line all the time. You just have to do the have the right line. So that is one one thing that has impacted me a lot. And the second thing is in my decision making of commitment before ego, meaning that my commitments, like what are my priorities? So for me, my priorities are family, career, and then let's say this men's work. So no matter what happens in my life, family first, then my job, then the men. And that's how I scale my decision-making. Mm-hmm. If I make a commitment, let's say, for example, being on this call with you, then I've advised them in advance, hey, I'm going to participate in this call. This is how much time it'll be. And I've set that expectation. However, if there was something really important for my wife and kids, and then this activity came in, then I said, you know what? That wife and kids are priority number one. Yeah. Andrews, we got to reschedule. Exactly. Exactly. So these type of decision-making, whereas in the past, uh, I have somebody coming from out of town visiting. Oh, come on, Manoj, uh, Grover. Then leave those. Hey, see you later, wife. I'm going to go out and have a drink with with, uh, my buddy. Exactly. And I used to do that a lot. And I used to piss her off. Well, I'll be back. I'll be back in two hours. When do I come back? I'm four. Yeah. So the lack of consistency, lack of trustworthiness, these are the, even though my decision-making was not malicious, it was all about me satisfying my ego and enjoying the moment for myself rather than fulfilling my commitments to me and my, to my family. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good time, man. Sounds a good time. If you're, you know, single having, uh, just that, you know, the fun casual yeah. life, not okay. necessarily if you got the, uh, the wife and kids counting uh, on you. Yeah. Yeah. So it took me, it took me a while to figure that part out. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'd love to go back to that first one about, you know, not being emotional because I think it's nuanced and it's possible for some people listening here to, to go a couple ways. Like they might be like, okay, I got to be the rock. So I'm not going to show any emotion. And then all of a sudden, you never see any character. You never see any personality. You never see. It's just like this, this, uh, you know, this blank slate, basically, this you know, blank stare all the time. And that's not what you're saying. And he's, no. you're also not saying, um, you know, don't ever um, share emotions ever. Um, there's a place and there's a time for it. But what you're saying is maybe you could elaborate a little bit further. So I'll give you an example, and you're gonna laugh at this. Um, <laughs> so I cried watching Terminator Two. Nice. With Arnold Schwarzenegger. That right? is lame, like, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, at the last scene when – do you remember the movie? Do you remember the movie? Uh, Arnold it's possible. It's possible, yeah. You were, I don't even think you were born when it came out. It was like 19- I was in a, Yeah, I was you were born. No, you weren't. It's 27, 28 years ago. You're 25. You weren't even born when it came out. Shit. Buddy, Grover, I'm you and you're me and I'm the universe. <laughs> and so I was around, okay? 
<laughs> so with Terminator, in the end of the movie, when the Terminator Arnold has the character has to get rid of himself because they don't want his chip in his brain to be uh, like uh, acquired by these scientists who create Cybernet and the end of the world. So he goes up into this molten steel at the steel mill and he starts burning up. And in the very end of the scene, you have him put a thumbs up and he goes in the water. I got teary at that <laughs> because it was a, for Connor, who was the savior, that was like the only father figure he had. And it sort of clicked with me. It's like, you know, this is like a father-son type of dynamic and he's losing his dad. So I got really sentimental on it. And my wife looks at me and is like, are you kidding me? Yeah, right? You did, so bro. <laughs> are you okay? So I had a tear coming down my eye. I was sobbing. It's like, this is it's like, are we watching a chick flick or are we watching an action movie and you're sobbing? So when these emotional things happen, I get teary-eyed. My eyes get mm-hmm. a little wet. So but that's something that my girls make fun of. And it's something that they, oh, daddy, you want a hug to feel better? And you know what? I don't mind a hug at that time. But uh, the, the, however, there's also tough things that happen at work that are, you leave work shit at work. If something is really, really bothering me, that is actually going to impact my family significantly, meaning career-wise, financially, well-being. You know, okay, let's sit down, you sit on the kitchen table and have those conversations. But if something like somebody's pissing about my work because my boss says something to me and I'm getting angry about it, just leave that, leave that outside the door. Yeah. Don't bring it home because it ain't going to bring you any value whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So when you're referring to emotional, there's, there's stuff out there that are, Emotion is good at times. You get really hyped up and other things. It's just a waste of time. Yeah, you have to pick your battles, right? And um, when Arnold's pulling at your heartstrings, it's not a battle you can win, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think that's so, it's so on point, man, because when I see, you know, my, my family, when I hear men talk about their relationships, right? It's not the place you go to emotionally vomit and vent right? That's the point of the men's circle. Yeah. That's the point of the men's circle. You come bring all that stuff here. When you're, when you're with your partner, you know, you want to be that rock. So therefore that's a great segue into points. Like what the value I also got is being on a men's team is that you have that safe environment of other men who have not walked in your shoes exactly, but have their own pain. And so they can understand what potentially you're going through. And so therefore they're not judgmental. It's safe. You can, like I said, puke out verbal diarrhea of anything you want to get. You won't be judged. Just get out of your system now so that when you go back home, be it you're in a long-term relationship, short-term relationship, you're single, you're uh, with kids, without kids, at least there you got that out of your system so you can function to the best of your ability. And there are many men, most have men have demons. We all have our demons. Um, it's just like this, hopefully uh, this program would help people manage them. Circle up is that and so much more. And I appreciate you taking the time to invest in that um, and, and building up a space genuinely where men can come uh, and relate and can be heard and find empathy and support each other. Well, I'm, I'm appreciative for you to thinking about this concept, giving us and many other men the opportunity to work on it and build it to what it is now. And 
move and grow it and grow it. And also I'm thankful for uh, being invited to this little podcast. I'm enjoying it and getting to tell the world of who I am and what makes me tick and hopefully uh, build relationships with others. Totally. Before we close off, I got one last question for you. Shoot. Is there anything else on your heart that you want to share? Um, it could be a poem you read, a book you read, something that one of your kids said to you, doesn't matter. Just anything else on your heart that you want to share with the audience. I know I get to control virtually the entire direction of this thing. And so if there is anything else on your heart that you want to leave on the table before closing us off, this is the time. Well, one thing I would like to say is like, you know, I was talking earlier about people feeling lonely. Um, is that don't be afraid to fail because the worst thing could happen. Like I'm giving an example. Let's say you see a cute girl and you want to ask her out. And most people will not ask that person out because they're fear of being rejected. But what we don't realize is at least now you know if she's interested or not. And if she's not interested, you're back at square one. You're in the same mm. point, but now you have more information to work with, right? So it's like fear is fear of not doing something is, is so detrimental that you miss opportunities to actually grow as a person mm -hmm. and actually succeed. So that's what I would say to anybody is like, don't be afraid not to do something. I agree. And I like that example too, because it's hyper relevant for the stage of my life that I'm in being you know, 25, wanting to meet women. I actually think that if you do not say hello and you do not demonstrate intent, you're actually rejecting yourself. Well, have you ever heard when, uh, when women say, oh, I don't like talking to guys that I don't know, they're all assholes. You, you heard of that, like, you know, that, the, the, the concept? It's, I have heard that. Yeah. So basically if you take men and put them into a bell curve and basically you have the beginning of the curve, the first, let's say 10, 15%, those are the real assholes. They'll talk to anybody about anything because they don't really give a shit. They say, Hey, sure. if I you, Hey, Hey baby, you want to go home with me? You want to get some, get some, uh, get some <laughs> you got <dick>? nice pants. <laughs> yeah. So you want to go uh, rock the boat? You know, they may discuss the girl or she may actually be interested. It's like, great. If you're interested, she, she hook like a sinker. If not, water off a duck back, move on. Then you have the, another 10, 15% that will never talk to that girl, never. never will. So now you have the balance 70% that are looking for the right moment. Mm. And then the problem comes in is that the fear of being rejected makes them like, they don't even, they miss the moment. Yeah. The longer you wait, the bigger the monkeys get. <laughs> so hope that helps just think about yeah. where you fall into that normal distribution of men and hopefully you're in the more for the earlier than the latter thank you for the inspiration the inspirado to close off the podcast go out there ask girls for their phone number <laughs> well no, I, I, go out there I, I, and, i'll um, give you an example i met my wife on, i met my wife online uh, we've been in, so in 2007, it was first like uh, the Indian like matrimonial site she put on her profile, cool. on her profile. So basically this is now aging ourselves even more is she, when we, she accepted my request, she said, okay, give me your MSN ID. I was like, <laughs> MSN It's like, or ICQ. I forgot which one it was. It's like, I don't have this shit. So here, here's my phone number. 
if you want to talk to me, give me a call. I basically, that's what I wrote in the message. And then she replied back to me and says, oh, um, I don't call people. Here's my number. I said, great. She gave me her number. So I gave her a call. Perfect. Great. And she hung up and she didn't pick up the phone the first three times I called her because she was surprised that I actually called. Yo, this guy's got, got you picked balls. Up. <laughs> Thank God I called now. You know, I'm married with two kids. Go figure. Amazing. Good stuff, man. Hey, I think calling, this is not a, a podcast about dating, <laughs> but I think, I think the faster you're able to get their phone number and call them, the better because it's really an opportunity for you to show your personality uh, and stand out in a big way. And so, Manoj, way to show us the moves all the way back 20 years ago, buddy. Yep, yep. Well, it was not all that right. long ago, but so, Andrews, thank you for your time. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, man, this was a blast. Sincerely, and we're right on the money with the timing. So I will let you go for now, and I will see you later this week on the leadership calls. And um, thank you for helping grow these programs because if you're a man listening to the show and you're interested in building stronger masculine relationships, being part of a community where it is a safe space to be real about what's happening in your life, Circle Up is the place to do it. So. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful evening. Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Adios, amigo.